Good morning, Maranatha. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Sunday Morning Alive right here on our website. We'd like to say to our our congregation here in Tampa, we welcome you today. We're so glad that we could stay in touch with you on our Facebook and on our website on the Internet. Anyone who wants to type in THCOG can come and receive the message that God is giving to his people during this time when we need to hear from heaven. Praise God. God has a plan and a purpose in all things, and we are a people that he has called to stand in the gap and make up the hedge through intercession. So I believe God is ready today to release his power if we are ready to pray consistently and pray the way God said we should pray in order for his answers to come. There's an answer to this pandemic. There's an answer. Oh yes, I understand the scientists are working. I understand uh, all of the all of the people who are working hard and diligent and desperately uh, to find a cure for this uh, this virus, this COVID uh, situation that we are in. Well, there is an answer that can be given to them from Him. But I don't believe that they can do anything without God's blessing, God's supernatural intervention, God's help, God's imparted knowledge and wisdom, God's supernatural deliverance. Praise God. So, you know, when God's people pray... It's different than when people just cry out of desperation who have no covenant and no relationship with Him. But when we have a covenant and a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we have a power prayer privilege. Hallelujah. There is power when we pray because the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, the Scriptures tell us, and His ears are open to their cry. If there ever was a time that we need to use that privilege and power of prayer, it is now. So I'm titling this message this Sunday morning, The Call to Prayer. If I had a ram's horn right now, I've blown one before. It's difficult to get that sound. It's kind of like blowing a trumpet. You have to pucker your lips together and and you find that sound. But the ram's horn was, uh, was a, a sound. The trumpet was a sound and the ram's horn was used to call God's people to worship, to call them to assembly, to call them to battle. If I had a ram's horn today, dear friend, I would, tr- I would want to sound it to call to prayer, to call to prayer. Because if my people, which are called by my name, the scripture is clear. I want to read that before we go further. Once again, it's a very familiar scripture. Now I want to put it in context. Uh, Second Chronicles uh, chapter uh, 7 and verse 14. Normally we would begin. want to back up to verse 12. After the dedication of the temple, Solomon's temple. It said, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven and there be no rain, or if I command the locust 
to devour the land. You see, God does send corrective judgments in the land. He sends it because He wants to turn people back to Himself, not drive them away, not destroy them. You see, He takes no pleasure, He says, in the death of the wicked. He tells ancient Israel, I put two ways before you and everyone has that opportunity. God always brings us to a place of decision and we can choose to go from Him or draw nigh to Him. Crisis is what we're in right now. The word is used over and over and over. And it can be a positive thing. It doesn't have to be negative. It does mean that we've come to a crossroad. We've come to an impasse. We've come to a dead end where we have to turn to the right or to the left. And sometimes it takes these kind of problems and pressures to bring us to that place. But it's a place where we can make a choice to choose blessing over cursing and life over death. In fact, God said, I put two ways before you in the old covenant to his people and to all people. I put two ways before you, cursing and blessing, life and death. And here's what he urges us when we come to that place. Choose life that you may live. For why will you die, O house of Israel? Amen. I want you to know God wants you to have life and to have it more abundantly today. Even if you're not a Christian, you can choose life over death. You can choose Christ over the devil. You can choose God over the darkness and light over the darkness. Praise God. You know, Jesus said the thief came. Speaking of Satan himself, he came to steal, kill, and destroy, and he does it through deception. There is a way, the old covenant says, that seems right unto a man, but the end of that way is destruction. The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Praise God. Listen, God wants you to have life. And by the way, abundant, when you see that word, don't be like Scrooge McDuck if you're old enough to remember him as a child. Uh, don't, 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 don't think of those dollar signs. Oh, this is so much more than anything that wealth can, uh, can accumulate, anything that money can buy. The Bible said a man's life does not consist of the abundance of things that he possesses. He said, he said, what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and everything in it and lose his own soul? So when Jesus said, I came to give you life and that more abundantly, it's talking about the eternal and the everlasting life that awaits us when we leave this world. And he's talking about the blessing and benefit of knowing where you're going. Amen. That you can have peace living in a world filled with uncertainty and you can not only have peace in this world you can have purpose in this world amen hallelujah you can you can know who you are in Christ and who he is in you and you can share the greatest message that the world could ever hear and that is that 
it's not God's will that any perish, but all come to repentance and have eternal life. Sometimes God allows or brings these kind of things to our world and to, to individuals in this world to bring us to that place of decision where we have to choose blessing or cursing, life or death. And he urges us, this is his heart toward you and I right now. And everyone in the world, choose life that you might live. (laughs) Hallelujah. For why will you die? Why will you die, O house of Israel? And listen to this again in context about the call to prayer. Verse 12, I'm going to begin once again. Second Chronicles seven twelve. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, said unto him, I've heard thy prayer, and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice, Solomon's temple, that new temple. If I shut up heaven and there be no rain, or if I command the locust to devour the land, remember, to bring us to the place of decision, Or if I send pestilence, that's what we're experiencing right now. It's under this heading of pestilence among my people. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their Land And look at verse 15. Now mine eyes shall be open and my ears attent to the prayer that is made in this place. Now, you say, well, pastor, that was Solomon's temple way back when. Well, God's got a new temple now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. God's got a new house where His, His manifest presence is living in today. You know, you know what it is? You know what Paul said it too. He was he looked at a congregation that didn't get it, and there's still two thousand years and plus later congregations of Christians who still don't get it. He said, "What know ye not that your body is the temple?" of the Holy Ghost is the temple of God. Amen. (laughs) Don't you get it that you have been so sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit can now come and live in you. In fact, the Bible said of the, of the church of Jesus Christ, not denomination, not organization, the church the born-again ones, the born-from-above ones, that we are a building fitly framed together for a habitation of God by His Spirit. God has come to indwell the, the child of God that is truly born of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. So verse 16 has relevance to us today also. He said, For now I have chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. Praise God. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the living 
God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, friend of mine, when we pray because we are that house for a habitation of God and because He indwells us and the Holy Spirit Himself indwells us and Christ in us is the hope of glory, it is different. There's great power released when we pray as God's temple, not just in God's temple. Hallelujah. James chapter 5, 16 and 17, you'll hear something echoed that we just read about shutting and opening the heavens. It said, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Hallelujah. Elijah was a man, verse 17, subject to like passions as we are. In other words, he wasn't some kind of super saint. He was just like us. You know, when he heard, he heard that, that they had wanted to destroy him and kill him when Jezebel had, had said she was going to come and kill him, he ran and hid in fear in a cave until God was able to, to encourage him to come out and, and, and restore the faith that had been so shaken when the fear had been so strong within. He was just like you and me, dear friend, but something set him apart. Something gave him power. And listen to it. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth brought forth her fruit. Praise God. Amen. Why? Because the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I like what Matthew Henry commented on this verse. It must be a pouring out, he said, of the heart to God. See, that's what makes it fervent. Because it's not just coming from the head, it's coming from the heart. And it must proceed from a faith unfeigned. You see, that's what makes it effectual. Fervent, it's got to come from the heart. To be effectual, there has to be faith. That's why the Bible said the prayer of faith will save the sick. Amen. That whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, you see what makes it so effective? Amen. This fervency in prayer and this faith in God that He will hear and He will answer. You know, they that come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that fervently seek Him. Amen. That, that seek Him wholeheartedly. That, that seek Him uh, without ceasing. Perpetual praying is the way we seek God and release our faith in God. It must be a pouring out of the heart to God. And it must proceed from a faith unfeigned. He goes on to say, and I like it, Elijah prayed earnestly, or as in the original Hebrew, in prayer, he prayed. 
So it was not just something he was saying. It was something he was doing before he even spoke. So something he was living in constantly. Something abiding in his heart before the words were even spoken. That's why the Bible said in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Pray without ceasing. Never cease to use the power and privilege of prayer. Friend of mine, I want you to know that standing on the Word of God today doesn't mean sitting idle and hoping for an answer from God. Standing in faith today does not mean believing for something in our heart with no other spiritual exercise. Waiting upon the Lord does not mean doing nothing and becoming inactive spiritually. Really, all of that involves how consistently and persistently we offer prayer and intercession before the Lord. Amen. Listen carefully. Matthew Henry goes on to say, it's not enough to say a prayer. We must pray in prayer. Our thoughts must be fixed, our desires firm and ardent, and our graces in exercise. You see, the Bible said that we're to pray with all prayer and supplication. With every kind of prayer, the use of prayer in all of its forms releases it in all of its power. Praise God. He further states, Thus you see prayer is the key which opens and shuts heaven. No matter, uh, no matter how, how hard the devil tries to stop the answer, once we pray the kind and quality of prayer that God hears and God receives and God responds to, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Satan will vigorously oppose us as we move into this kind of prayer. He will distract us to break the spiritual momentum that perpetual prayer is producing. He will do everything He can to discourage you and I from continuing in prayer when we pray and we don't see an immediate answer. You know, it's good to know what's going on when you're praying. You know, the Bible said in the book of Revelation that, that in the very throne room of God, there, there were these golden vials filled with odors or incense. And they, they, they were, they were, they were corked, evidently. They were capped. They were kept in the presence of God Himself before His throne in His throne room. And John the Revelator wanted to know, what is this? What are these? What are these golden, golden vessels here with these, with incense in it? Uh, these odors in it. What is this? You know? And the angel responds and said, these are the prayers of the saints. They're preserved right here in the presence of God. And that's where they're going to stay until they're answered. If we don't quit praying, If we don't give up on the power and privilege of prayer, we're going to see God move 
in our day, we're going to see God move in our circumstances. We're going to see God move in our own personal situations that we are in. And we're going to see God move in our nation here in America. And we're going to see God move in our world. God is not done yet. The tribulation is not here yet. Hallelujah. The door to the ark is not closed yet. And certainly heaven is God's ears are not closed to our prayer. His ears are open. He said, I'm here. I'm waiting. I'm listening to hear. Praise God. And if my people begin to do this, repent of their sin, and call upon me out of a sincere heart, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And that's why Paul said never quit utilizing the power and privilege of prayer, or in essence, pray without ceasing. The devil will oppose it because he fears it. And he fights what he fears. Someone said it's so true, so real. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on their knees. Praise God. It it shakes him because he knows the power of prayer. And he is relentless in trying to turn God's house into something less than what it is supposed to be primarily. Jesus said it when he went into the temple. My house shall be a house of prayer. Yes, It is a house, the temple where the scriptures were read and taught and explained, a house of preaching for sure, a house of praise and worship, absolutely. But that is not the primary purpose of the house of God. It's revealed here in Solomon's temple. We are now the house of God, a building fitly framed together for a habitation of God by His Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost, Praise God. And what can we do that is so privileged and so powerful? We can pray and God will hear and God will answer. You see, great revivals and marvelous moves of God are born out of this kind of praying. Many times when the answer is achieved and the blessing comes, the prayer life cools off and we lose that sense of urgency that produced the fervent praying. The momentum is broken and victory is lost and the vanquished enemy comes back in force. And I believe that's what we're seeing today. But it's not too late to pray that kind of effectual, fervent prayer. Glory be to God. I want you to know, someone said in a pastor's meeting I was in recently, they said, God is trying to get our attention. And another pastor spoke up quickly and said, uh, no, he isn't. God has our attention. And not just our attention in America, but He's got the attention of the world. People are praying around this world. My wife and I, we just sat on our couch today. We saw a video of people in Brazil that has been hit hard by covid And we saw them praying publicly in the middle of the day in a city, not in a church setting, not, not, you know, in some private little place, but they were praying out 
in public with cars going up and down the, the city streets. They, some of them, some of them with their heads pressed against the walls of the city buildings. Others bowed down with their head to the sidewalk. Some standing with their hands raised in prayer. They were praying for their city, their country, and all the the world that has been so infected and affected by this pandemic. God has our attention and people are praying. God's people are praying. You see, it takes someone who is in a right relationship with God to claim the covenant and claim the blessing. When you come to Christ as your Savior, we come into that place that place of privilege and power. And what God is waiting for is His people called by His name to humble themselves and pray. And hallelujah. Listen, the devil will tell you that praying is of no avail. He will tell you it is futile to continue to pray because you don't see an immediate answer. The answer hasn't come yet, therefore it's not coming at all. Remember, the devil is a liar. Every word out of his mouth is a lie. Even if the circumstances seem to confirm the lie, it's still a lie. Because we don't look at the things which are seen. They're just temporal. They're subject to change. But we look to the things that are eternal. Praise God. Remember, the devil is a liar and he is the father of it. Everything he says is a lie. Everything he says is a lie. Someone told the humorous story. A man stopped by a house with a sign out front that said, Talking Dog for Sale. The owner directed him to the backyard to see the dog. He's pretty skeptical and called out, You talk? Yep, the mutt replied. The man then said, So what's your story? The dog looked up and said, Well, I discovered this gift when I was young, and I wanted to help the government, so I went to work for the CIA. I jetted around from country to country. I've spied on world leaders because no one ever figured a dog could eavesdrop. I was one of their most valuable agents. I uncovered some incredible secrets and was awarded a bunch of medals. I had a wife, a mess of puppies, and now I'm just retired. The guy couldn't believe his ears. Who ever heard of a dog that talked? He was already thinking of ways he could use an eavesdropping, talking dog. He turned to the owner and said, How much do you want for him? The owner said, Ten dollars. To which the man replied, Your dog is amazing. Can I ask why you're selling him so cheap? And the owner just shook his head and said, Because he is a big, fat liar. Every word he says is a big, fat lie. That old lazy dog has never been off this porch except to go to the bathroom. Listen, the next time Satan says God isn't listening, your faith is too small. You are not worthy. It will never happen. It's too late. It's too hard. It's been too long. We must remember this. He's a big, fat liar. And 
Keep on praying and keep on believing. Pray without ceasing because praying without ceasing will bring astonishing results. The Bible said we're to pray and faint not, not ever give up on the power and the privilege of prayer. I believe the prayers of the saints is what's going to turn this around. You say, well, they might find a cure. If they do, it will be because of the intercession of God's people. (laughs) Oh, Brother Venable, there you are. You're going to brag? No, I am boldly proclaiming and declaring that we are in a spiritual battle. There's more to this thing than just an organism that you can only see in a micro scope and it's an ugly thing there but there's an uglier force behind it and if it's been allowed because sin has opened the door to the enemy then we're going to have to do battle with that enemy and we have to recognize that that enemy we're battling is not flesh and blood and neither are our weapons the scripture said the wep- our weapons are not are not carnal they're not flesh and blood but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Praise God. Listen, friend, that mighty weaponry, that armor of God that we have been granted and told to put on is to be used in the arena of prayer. Ephesians 6.10, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places, and the rulers of the darkness of this world. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. And it enumerates each piece of that armor. And then it says, when we have our armor on and we're standing, having done all, stand. At that next verse says, praying. With all prayer, literally all manner of prayer and supplication for me and for all saints. In other words, all of this armament is to, is to go into that arena of prayer and do battle against these forces. And when these spiritual forces are defeated, then there is manifestations of healings and of deliverances and of people coming to salvation because the scales fall off of their eyes. Oh, friend of mine, when we persevere in prayer, we gain victory in battle. When we persevere in prayer, we gain victory in battle. So no wonder the devil wants us to stop utilizing the power and privilege of prayer because he fears, he really does tremble when he sees the weakest Christian upon their knees. Listen today, if I had a ram's horn, I would blow it right now. And I would say, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm. Hallelujah. This is a call to battle. Therefore, this is a call to prayer. The Old Testament prophet was told, Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. It wasn't just the velocity of his voice, it was the fervency of his voice, the loudness, the volume of his voice. It was the fact that trumpets called God's people to certain things in those days when they heard a particular sound, they knew what to do. And we need a clear word from God. 
And I'm giving you today from my heart and I believe from God's heart and from the Scripture a clarion call to every child of God. It's time to rise up and it's time to bow down. It's time to stand up. It's time to call upon the Lord. To cry out to Him. To stand in the gap. To make up the hedge. It's time to pray, church. It's time to pray. For God is waiting for us to get truly right with Him. And then He said, call upon me in the day of trouble. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, friend, I'm motivated. How about you? And call upon me in the day of trouble. And I will answer thee. And thou shalt glorify me. Praise God. Psalm 50 and verse 15. Today, as we truly repent of our sins, ask God to create in us a clean clean heart. And we pray. He said, you know what? I'm going to hear from heaven. And I'll heal your land. The locusts are going to quit it. The pestilence is going to stop. The rain is going to come. Oh, oh, oh. This is the power of perpetual prayer from God's children. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior... You may have been praying too. But it's the prayer of a righteous man or woman, not sinlessly perfect, but reconciled to Him through the blood of Jesus Christ. And you can be reconciled today. You can repent of your sin. You can come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you can pray with us that before Jesus comes, there will be a healing in our land and a mighty message of good news to the world before He comes. The Gospel. 